Have you ever asked the question, why isn't God answering my prayer? I know I've I've asked that question many times. I'm like, God, why are you not answering my prayer? You come before God and you ask him a question. And the Bible is supposed to say, ask him my name and I shall give, right? But then you ask God the question and it's like silence. Nothing happens at all. I don't know if anyone has ever prayed a prayer. You've probably prayed and may have not got an answer to prayer. And you're like, just a yes or a no, Lord. Which one is it? But you have nothing. No answer to prayer at all. And sometimes I ask, why does God answer some prayers and not answer other prayers? I think this is one of the biggest mysteries uh, in, 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 the, in, the, in the circle of faith. Is in, in, in this uh, thing called, we call Christianity. Why does God answer some people's prayers and not other people's prayers? But really, I don't think it should be that much of a mystery. You see, God does not randomly select who he answers prayer to and who he doesn't. He doesn't just say, uh, I'm going to hear this person, but I'm going to ignore this one. No, I believe that God listens to every one of your prayers. And every time that you make a prayer to God, whether it is just a quick prayer or it's a long prayer, whether it's a simple prayer or it's an elaborate prayer, I believe that God listens to your prayer. And I do not believe that prayer just goes up to the ceiling and then bounces back down to be lost for eternity. I believe that that prayer goes straight to the throne room of heaven and God hears that prayer. And then that prayer, I do not believe, then just dies. I believe that prayer lives and that prayer is eternal. And I believe the prayers that you prayed yesterday are still being presented before God today. And the prayers that you pray today will not just be presented before God today, but they'll be presented before God tomorrow, next week, next month, even next year, even 10 years down the line. There could be prayers that you have prayed today that are still being presented before God. And God is still listening to those prayers. However, there are some prayers that are more powerful than others. And in James uh, chapter, to, chapter 4 and verse 16, it says this. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer or the fervent prayer of a righteous person or someone who is in right standing with God has great power and produces wonderful results. It produces wonderful results. So there are prayers that produce wonderful results. But those are prayers of people who are right with God. And so there are those type of prayers. However, sometimes no matter how hard you pray or how faithful to God you are, there are sometimes prayers that you just don't get any answer from God from. Sometimes it feels like heaven has shut its doors and you just can't get in. It feels like God isn't listening. And we've been going through this series called Good Old Abe. And we've been looking at this man, Abraham. And this man, Abraham, has made good choices. He's made bad choices. He's been faithful to God. And then he's turned away from God and neglected God. But there came a point in Abraham's life where he had an unanswered prayer. And this prayer started consuming his life. And so if you've got your Bibles, if you wanted to turn to Genesis chapter 15 and verse 1. And this was Abraham's prayer. He said, sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, for your reward will be great. But listen to this. It says, But Abraham replied, 
O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant of my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of the servants, uh, so one of my servants will be my heir. We see throughout the life of Abraham, the life of Abraham consisted of one prayer, and that was God, give me a son. Give me a son. See, what had happened is Abraham married this beautiful woman called Sarai, and Sarai could not have children. She was barren. And so Abraham was unable to have children because his wife was unable to have children. So Abraham started praying to God. He says, God, whatever you do, please, one thing, give me a son. Give me a son. And then God started coming with these elaborate promises to Abraham. He says, Abraham, you are going to be blessed beyond every other man in this whole world. You are going to have descendants that you are not going to be able to number. In fact, your descendants will be like the sand on the seashore. There will be so many, you will not be able to number them. And so Abraham's hearing all these promises from God. He's got this desire to have a son. But yet, the weeks turn into months. The months turn into years. And the years turn into retirement. And still, no son. Abraham has been unable to have a son. And then one day, God comes to Sarai and says, Sarai, Abraham's not listening to me. You're going to have a son. And so she looks at God and she, she starts laughing and laughing. She says, God, how can you give me a son when I am past the years of being able to conceive a child? And so Sarai that day says, this day is a remarkable day because God has given me a sense of humor. And I cannot stop laughing because God says I'm going to have a son and there's no way I can have a son. Trust me. Ladies know when they can't have, you know, sons. And my question is, why would God withhold such an innocent prayer from a couple who had done so much for him? This couple had stepped out in faith for God. They'd given God everything. They, they had walked along this life of faith. They, they had made some mistakes along the way, yes, but everybody makes mistakes. And it was such an innocent prayer. It wasn't a prayer of, God, let me be a millionaire. Or, God, uh, do something with my enemies and just destroy them. The, it was an innocent prayer, and God said, and he said to God, God, just give me a son. One thing I ask is a son. That's it, nothing else. But yet, Abraham did not get an answer. The sun didn't come, and it seemed like heaven had shut its doors. But I believe there's a reason why Abraham didn't get an answer to prayer. And there's lots of different reasons we we could look into. But I've pinpointed three reasons this morning why Abraham didn't get an answer to prayer. And maybe these reasons could be why you're not getting an answer to prayer as well. So let's take a look at them. The first one we find, we've already read the verse in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 2. It says there, it says, But Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? What good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? The first thing I believe that happened with Abraham, Abraham focused on the prayer and he stopped focusing on God. He was focusing so much on the prayer and the prayer request that his focus from God had been lost. And we see throughout the life of Abraham 
that having a son becomes the most important thing in his life. Even may I dare to say it becomes more important than his relationship with God. This was a man who loved God. He stepped down in faith for God. He listened to God. But yet for some reason, he was never entirely satisfied with God. Because all he wanted was a son. In the book of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, which is in the, the New Testament, halfway through the New Testament. It says there, in, the, in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18. The Apostle Paul who wrote this, he said, Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you to belong to Christ Jesus. Paul here is saying, he's saying, always be joyful. Be thankful in all situations and in all circumstances. And Abraham had got to a point in his life where he wasn't thankful for the blessings that God had given him. Because this one request was just hovering over his head and that's all he could think about. That's all his focus was. That's all he wanted was a son. And so Abraham had become so focused on having, his, having a son that his life and his purpose in God had taken a back seat. And we know when God starts taking a back seat that other people start to realize the different prayer requests in our lives. And that those prayer requests become so important in our lives. In Genesis chapter 16 and verse 1 and 2, we see a very sad thing that takes place. It says, now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abraham, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And then listen to this. And Abraham agreed with his wife's, Sarai's proposal. So many times people don't get an answer to prayer. And they start to think that their world revolves around that prayer request. And other people start to notice it. And when other people start to notice it, they start to do things so that you will receive that answer to prayer because they feel for you. And Abraham was so upset that he had not had a son that it started affecting his wife, Sarai. And Sarai must have been going through incredible emotions. But Abraham had pointed it out that we had not had a son and that he was disappointed and he was unfulfilled and unsatisfied. So Sarai, being the wonderful wife, she said, she says, okay, if this is what you want, then I have a servant girl. Why didn't you go and sleep with her? Bear a child with her and then we can raise it as our own. I mean, I'll be honest, that's, that's a pretty sacrificial thing that this, this woman did. Pretty stupid, but pretty sacrificial. And the thing is, Abraham had become so focused on having a son that he says, okay, sure. I wonder how many guys were like, if their wife says, hey, you know, here's this pretty woman, why don't you, you know. I'm sure there'd be a lot of guys says, right on, cool, I got a cool wife. But really, this is a sad situation. A very sad situation. Probably because Abraham had complained long enough. You know, I got two friends who had exactly the same problem. They lived in different countries. 
They didn't know each other. And it ha- these things happened a few years apart. One was called John, and one was called Joey. Sounds like a TV show or something, doesn't it? One was called John, one was called Joey. Both these men had lived a life where they hadn't been good husbands. They, you know, they had provided for their wives, but they hadn't treated their wives as, as really they should have treated their wives. And there came a day in both of their lives where their world just fell apart because their wives told them that they did not want to be married to them any longer. And so they started to file for divorce. The men moved out. And through this process, something neat happened. They found God. They didn't know where to turn. Their wife had neglected them. Their family had kind of turned their backs on them. And so they decided, okay, well, let's give God a try. Maybe God's punishing me. So they started going to church. They gave their lives to God. They confessed their sins, repented their sins. And they gave their lives all to God. And then what happened is then they started praying. And they started going to church at every opportunity. And back in the day, especially for John, we had church on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Monday night, Wednesday night, Friday night, and then anything in between if we have time. And he was there every single time. He started reading his Bible like never before. Both of them did on their lunch times at home at night. Instead of watching TV, they'd both be reading their Bibles. They'd start to listen to like, TV preachers. And they would read books um, uh, about, about marriage and about a relationship with God. And even they started fasting. And even Joey, he like, went on like a 21-day fast without food. I'm like, boy, you've got more guts than I have. But yet, no answer to prayer. And I look back on their lives, and I see something common between both of them. They did all the right things, they prayed all the right prayers, they fasted, they read all the right books, but their focus was on their prayer request, and it wasn't on God. Where they came to God because they wanted an answer to prayer, not because of who God is. And so often in our lives, we can pray But our motives can all be about getting something from God instead of giving to God. And God is desiring you to come before Him. Yes, bring your request to God, but let not that be the number one motive why you're coming to God. Come to God because you love Him. Because you want to bring glory to Him. Because He is God. James chapter 3. Uh, 4 and verse 3 says this. It says, And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what you will give, what will give you pleasure. He says, You don't ask because your motives are wrong. And then in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7. Says this. The Apostle Paul right into the church in, in, in a place called Philippi. He says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. And become one with him. 
I no longer can count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I come right, become righteous through faith in God. And then in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 12, it says, I know how to live on almost nothing or live with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. And then he says, for I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. The Apostle Paul there realized that there's so much in this life I could be asking God for, but it's worthless. Because Christ, was his focus. He says, it doesn't matter if I have a lot or a little, as long as Christ is my focus, because he is the one who I live for. Nothing else in this world. So Abraham, his focus was on his prayer, not on God. But we also see something else. And I'll be very careful how I say this. But Abraham's unbelief got in the way. Now I don't believe that God isn't answering your prayer because you don't have enough faith. I think, I think that's a lie. Because Jesus says you only need a mustard seed of faith. But I do believe that Abraham's unbelief got in the way of God fulfilling this prayer request in his life. Let's take a look. In Genesis chapter 16 and verse 4 to 6, it said, So Abraham had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. <laughs> I thought she said yeehaw then I'm like whoa <laughs> wow okay focus <laughs> right where am I okay so Abraham had sexual relations with Hagar and she became pregnant and when Hagar knew she was pregnant she began to treat her mistress Sarai with contempt so Sarai said to Abraham This is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with content. The Lord will show you who's wrong, you or me. And then Abraham replied, Look, she is your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. So Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. So now what we see is because Abraham does not believe God. He's like, okay, God, you promised a son. Maybe you need a little help. I'm going to take some matters into my own hands. My wife has presented this beautiful servant girl. She's like 30 years younger than me, and she's hot, so I'm going to go for it. And they have relations. She becomes pregnant. Firstly, we see that now we have an illegitimate child. We have a child who has been born out of wedlock. Then we see that the relationship with Hagar and Sarah takes a nosedive. Now they're competing for attention with Abraham. Now what we see, we see that, that, uh, that Hagar starts treating Sarai as an equal instead of being Sarai's servant. Sarai doesn't like her, so she starts treating Hagar harshly to a point where Hagar runs away. And then the story follows on, and Hagar then comes back into the fold This boy is born, his name is Ishmael, he grows up, and then suddenly 
everything goes wrong because then eventually God does answer Abraham's prayer. And we'll get to that in a minute. But when that happens, Ishmael and the new child Isaac do not get along. Ishmael treats Isaac really bad. And in, to a point where this family just got broken up to pieces. And there was broken lives and there was hurt. Why? Because Abraham decided to take things into his own hands. He decided that, I don't believe if God is really going to fulfill his promise in my life. So he took matters into his own hands. I wonder what would have happened if Abraham had just stood in faith. You know, we see through the New Testament the consequences of unbelief or people just not believing that God will do what God says. We see that even Jesus was not able to heal one time because his disciples did not believe that he could heal. We see that the disciples could not cast demons out of people because of their unbelief. Jesus even told them it's because of your unbelief. We see that the disciples, they suffered a life-threatening storm because of their unbelief, because they did not believe that God could keep them safe. You know, when I finished university, I wanted one thing. I wanted to go into full-time church work. And I've been in full-time church work, and now I'm out of it. You know, now it's like I'm a volunteer. I'm like, this is great. But I was 21, and that's all I wanted. And I knew that God had promised me when I was 16, I felt God called me into, into full-time ministry, into ministry. And when I, I went through a few years going to university where God just really broke me. And I got to a place where I was 21. I was like, okay, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to go into full-time ministry. I'm ready to do what you want me to do. So I came over and I did an internship for three months uh, out in Missouri at a large church. And I realized that nobody would hire me because my degree was in politics at the time and it wasn't in uh, religious studies or in theology or in, uh, in, uh, in ministry. And uh, I'm like, but don't you realize there's so much politics in church? I could help you out, you know, but no, nobody wanted to hire me. So I had this promise from God that God was going to lead me into a place of ministry. And I said, okay, well, if that's the case, I'm going to go and get myself a master's degree. And I'm going to get myself a master's degree in church ministry. So I started this, uh, this, uh, this degree. I didn't pray about it. I didn't hear from God to say, go, go and do it. I just thought, hey, if I want to get into ministry, then this is the avenue I've got to go. So I started doing this Master of Ministry. And as you know, Master's degrees in the U.S., and I did it through a U.S. Um, university, not a British one. And as you know, Master's uh, degrees are not cheap. And they wanted a lot of the money up front, so I forked a lot of the money up front. I took out some loans to do it. I brought all my books. I started writing my papers. I got my first one back. I got a 4.0. I'm like, Woohoo! I'm like, I've never been a 4.0. 3.0 was even hard enough for me. And uh, so, so I'm doing real well. And I'm going along this journey, and the more I'm doing this master of ministry, the more I realize I just really am not in a place where God wants me to be. Suddenly, I had no desire to it. I didn't want to write the papers. I, I, I started, uh, my relationship with God just started to fade away. I didn't want to read my Bible. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't even want to go to church because I was just like so fed up with this master's. And I realized, I came to a point where I was like, God, why is this happening? I want to go into your service. I want to go into your work. Why am I feeling like this? And I remember the day I, I was reading the scripture and God just spoke 
to me through it. And he says, I never told you to do that. See, what happened is my unbelief that God could lead me into a path that I believe that he had told me. I did not believe that he could lead me without the educational requirements that I thought I needed. And so I started pursuing them myself. And in the end, I was a lot of money in debt. Paid off a lot. Spent a lot of hours just doing worthless things. I didn't finish the master's. Because it was kind of boring, to be honest. And, uh, and, and, and I'll be honest, I didn't learn that much from it. But I realized at that point that if God promised me to, promises me something, I don't need to try and force it myself. My own belief can get in the way and I start forcing and I make bad choices. And those bad choices can lead to a life where things start going wrong. And Abraham took matters into his own hands. And do you know what happened? It strangled the very faith he had in God and it caused problems. And in the end, God could not answer that prayer immediately because there was so much stuff going on in Abraham's life that God had to sort out because his unbelief had taken him down a path where he started making wrong choices. The final thing that we see, we see that Abraham went on a journey. And this journey was from prayer to answer to prayer. And Abraham, I believe, realized something in this time. He realized that the journey was just as important as the destination. The journey was just as important as the destination. I'll, I'll, I'll rephrase it in another way. What God is doing in your life right now is just as important as what God will do in your life when he answers your prayer. The time from you praying that prayer to answering that prayer, God is working in your life. And God is doing things in your life. And maybe the answer to prayer has not come because God has not finished his work in you yet. Maybe God is working in your life. You see, Abraham was not ready to receive this answer to prayer. Once Isaac was born, Abraham's focus totally changed. But in the meantime, while he was in that place between prayer and answers to prayer, his life changed. Things happened in his life that, uh, that poured him into a place where he would be the father of our faith. He would be the great patriarch, Abraham. And we see that, uh, that just different things that happened. We see along this journey from prayer to answers to prayer that his faith just grew in God. We see that his name was changed from Abraham to Abraham. Because he had been so faithful to God. And God says, I'm going to give you a new name. We see that he had new friends. He had new blessings. He learned so much more in life. Because the journey was just as important as the destination. And if you want to be a doctor, you can't just wake up one day and think, I want to be a doctor. There is a journey that you have to go on and it's called medical school. And you have to go through medical school and then you have to work your way up. If you want to be a lawyer, you can't just say, hey, I'm going to walk into a court of law and I'm going to be a lawyer. You have to go on a journey and that journey is is university, then law school. And then you work your way up within a law firm. And if you want to be anything for God, then there is a journey to go on. And that journey does not just mean that you get answers to prayer immediately. It means that you step out in faith and God takes you on this journey. And on this journey that you go on, God does incredible things for you. And so if you want answers to all your prayers, there's a journey to take. You know, in in, uh, 1999, I took a a trip 
with two of my cousins from the UK to Springfield, Missouri, via Orlando, Florida. We, my sister was living in Springfield, and so we went to visit her. And we, caught, we found some cheap tickets to uh, Orlando. And I'll be honest, I'm like, why did we ever go to Springfield? Why don't we just stay in Orlando for the two weeks? But anyway, we got, we got to Orlando, and we rented a car, and we drove like the 20 hours to Springfield, Missouri. And I look back on that vacation that I took, and I'll be honest, I really can't remember much about what happened in Springfield, Missouri. I think I met a girl. But she didn't last too long. And that was about it. But what I do remember, I remember the journey, the road trip. It was like a fun road trip. We just had, we had the time of our lives. We had a blast, you know. Uh, I think the low point was like going to Graceland to see Elvis and see all the people crying at the grave and everything. I'm like, ah, oh, please. But, uh, but my cousins were like huge Elvis fans. But we had such a great time on that road trip. And I realized at that point, I realized that the trip can be just as enjoyable as the place that you're going. But your perspective has to change. You have to realize and look up and realize what's around you and realize what's going on. And if we could just click our fingers and arrive at our destination or get our answers to prayer, we would miss all the beauty that God wants to give you in between. So if you're not seeing your answers to prayer, then look up and see what God is doing in your life. God is doing something in your life. He is changing you. He is molding you. He is shaping you. He is testing you and He is proving you. So that when you do get that answer to prayer, you'll be positioned to enjoy it to the fullest. To be finished today. Psalm chapter 119. Psalm 119 and verse 35 says, The psalmist prayed, he says, Make me walk along your path, the path of your commands. For that is where my happiness is found. Our happiness is not found in our own journey and where we want to go. It's found when we follow God's command. And then in Proverbs 2, verse 8 to 9, said, He guards the path of the just the path, uh, and protects those who are faithful to Him. Then you will understand what is right and fair and you will find the right way to go. You will find the right way to go. When you follow God, you will find the right path. You will find the right way to go. And God will lead you upon a path and a journey that you will just grow in Him and grow in yourselves. One author that I really like, his name is Oswald Chambers. And he said this. He says, the meaning of prayer is that we get hold of God And not of the answers. The meaning of prayer is that we get hold of God. And not of the answers. So today you may be asking. Why God are you not answering my prayer? Instead of that question. Why don't you ask this question? God. What are you trying to do in my life. While I wait for an answer to prayer. What are you trying to do in my life while I wait for an answer to prayer? Maybe God is just withholding at the moment because he wants to realign your focus from those prayer requests to him. 
Maybe God's withholding just at the moment because he's working through some unbelief in your life. And that unbelief has just gone in the way. And he's increasing your faith and he's growing your faith. Or maybe God is just withholding the answer to prayer. Because he wants you to look up. And start seeing the beauty around of the journey that he's taking you on. Because when you go from prayer to answer to prayer. God takes you on this journey and you see incredible, beautiful things in your life. So whatever reason today, your life should not be dictated by your request to God. Instead, your request to God should be dictated by your lives in Jesus Christ. Don't come to God because you have a request. Come to God because you love him. Because of who he is. Because he is God. And he is worthy of all your praise. And finally today. As we close. Psalm 37. And verse 4. One of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. Take delight in the Lord. And he will give you your heart's desire. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Abraham got to a place where he suddenly found delight in God. His life got to a place where it wasn't consumed by the request. It was consumed by God. And he delighted himself in God and God gave him his heart's desire. And that was a son and his name was Isaac. And the rest is history. For you today, delight yourselves in God. He sees those desires in your heart. He hears those prayers that you pray. He desires and he wants to give them to you. But maybe now just isn't the time. But delight yourself in God. Let's pray.